Oh, God. This is going to be a fun edit. This You should edit this one, Flynn. Yeah, I think I will edit this one. It's all right. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 16 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me kind of as always is Mr. Matt Leach. Hey Matt. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? Yeah, good. That's good. What, what's been happening? I always feel like I tell uh, something that's been happening in my life, but what's been happening in your life? What's been happening in my life? I just came from a really, a really nice meeting with a guy called Kevin who... Um, when I first started at Creative Mornings, he was the second in charge with Tina Roth Eisenberg. Oh, okay. Um, and he's in Sydney, and so I just went and had a beer with him, which is great. No way. Yeah. Wow. That was fun. So, so what's he doing now? He's traveling vagabond. He's um like around the world ticket, and um oh, he's he's left he's traveling left, vagabond. Yeah, he's left um he's left Creative Mornings um to you know he kind of did the three year thing, and now he's off to do his own adventure. And before he started that, he traveled around to a whole bunch of chapters that were <laughs> creative mornings chapters and hung out with organizers and all sorts of things wow that was cool yeah amazing it reminds me of um frankie so obviously frankie ratford is over in america at the moment mm. i think she's about to buy a bus oh yeah and she's um i think you know on her very first adr episode she talked about buying the bus yeah um, so she's she's so close to her dream, right? <laughs> but yeah, that that travelling vagabond kind of lifestyle, I guess, is yeah. amazing. Good on her. Love Frankie. I love how Frankie makes everything work around her lifestyle rather than the other way around. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a concerted effort, but she does a really good job at it. She does. Yeah. But so for this episode, who have we got? Yes. Well, we have got someone who we've been trying to go on for quite quite a while, actually. It's Jenny Duran. So she's, I think, I think a lot of people in Sydney know her. She's, she's the design director for Landor. Yep. I mean, she's got, well, it'd be easily over 10 years experience, I'd say, in, in brand identity, but also um, FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods. I don't know why I felt I needed to tell everyone. <laughs> yeah, people <laughs> everyone. might not know what it means. Okay, yeah, good. good. So she's got a lot of experience in that kind of area. She's worked in London and then, you know, Sydney, oh, Sydney for a couple of years now. Actually, probably be about six years. Years, so, um, and worked with all sorts of um, obviously clients through Landor, but she she does loads of work with charities and um, kind of startups as well, kind of off, off her own back quite a bit. Um, like even tonight, she's um, actually doing a talk for Oxfam um, with uh, a couple of a couple of other people we know. So Joe from um, I Manifest. And Jess from Vivid. Jess Scully, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she's she's out there kind of like really, really doing a lot of stuff for the communities and, and particularly for students. So she's a big proponent of um, the Shine program, which is a, a Landor program, which helps uh, transition students into work. So it's like an internship program, but kind of an internship program on steroids. Mm. So, um, yeah, so she's been really instrumental in kind of keeping that going and really taking it to the next level yeah it's great isn't it and and in this talk that we that we're about to play um so obviously we spoke quite a bit about packaging and a little bit of talk about kind of home brands and how that's kind of come through yeah that was really interesting yeah i, I was surprised by it you know obviously she's right in that and she really sees what's happening so it was really interesting to see her point of view on that 
Yeah, it was definitely a really good time to start talking about packaging. And, you know, you know, our end of the stick, a bit of edu- education involved there as well. And, um, you know, school's not really teaching packaging so much anymore. And I think that has something to do with maybe the expectation of image of, of packaging as a specialization or career. Yeah. Maybe, who knows, but we spoke a little bit about that. I've really thought about that quite a bit lately as well, the whole, she, she makes some really good points about why packaging needs to be in there. And I think um, it's really made me rethink some curriculum stuff. And, and we seem to be in this place at the moment where graphic design is kind of almost like the dumping place of like everything that designers do, mm. um, especially in courses. And it's almost like we're, we're nearly at that point where the, it needs to start separating out into kind of like different sort of specialties. Yeah. 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 It was, it was really interesting conversation to have as well. And we spoke a little bit about iTunes and my tirade of, user interface of <laughs> Apple products. Which a lot of other people seem to be saying as well. Yeah. It's not just me. It's not just me. And uh, yeah, I think that's that probably about it. Shall we jump in? Let's jump in. All right. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy. So do you want to just test that everything's working? Yep. Everything's working. So when, when you do one, two, and three, that's technically four beats. You realize that? I did. Yeah, I realise that. I'm trying to get more out of you. I'm, I'm not paying you to sit around. <laughs> oh, I, I do feel like I've been sitting all the time lately. Oh, really? I just, I guess, living in living in the mountains now and getting on the on the train and having four hours oh, sitting, sure. and then being in meetings and sitting and. Yeah, I don't know. Lots of you need, a, you need a standing desk. I'm gonna. I think I was looking. You know, <laughs> this is a bit embarrassing. I was looking <laughs> at one of those treadmill desks. Oh, oh no, God. I've seen no, I said standing desk. <laughs> <laughs> Don't twist my words. Innovation at its best. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. so, Jenny, tell us, so yes. design director, um, which is a bit of a common term these days, and I think I was chatting to Flynn earlier just about this idea that I have spoken to studios before where there's, you know, there's three people and they've called themselves a design director, but you're a design director of Landor, mm. which... Is you know Landor is I believe one of the the largest design studios design agencies in the world. So design director for Landor is in my mind a real design director. <laughs> Thank you. That's good because <laughs> I'd but, like to but what be the do real you design do? director. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good question, and um, it's a it's a a very structured role within the the hierarchy of a creative team. So I'm one of many throughout the network at Landor. And very pragmatically, my role is uh, I'm very client facing. So and the amount of clients I have fluctuates. So I have a little team that I look after and very hands on work wise with them. And all of the work that we do is ultimately shown to our creative director. And we have an executive creative director who's regional but my role is essentially being the communicator between the design that we're creating and then talking to the creative director about that and then ultimately talking to the client about that so I essentially do the selling and um, talk about the conceptual ideas I'm at the briefings right from the beginning and I oversee that job all the way through until it leaves the studio from artwork so that's functionally what mm-hmm. I do <laughs> so with with Landor like where how many jobs are you working on at any one time 
Oh, and again, it can fluctuate, but like at the moment, I've, I've probably got like eight different clients. Wow. So a lot of my days are spent um, running to from meetings, making sure that the creative team have everything that they need to be creating the work that we need and also to make make sure that I divide some of my day to give them enough of my time so they can get creative direction and feedback um, and then send that to our creative director and we talk them through all of that work um, and obviously their time is very thin as well so we have little windows with them so it's it's a like a a very timely process each day to make sure so there's like lots of outlook <laughs> check-ins of crikey okay what's our calendar right we've got this half an hour let's run to this meeting right you know so yeah, <laughs> so yeah it, it's um making sure that everybody's where they need to be um and there's a lot of projects on a great deal i mean Lando's very much focused on packaging and consumer brands so that's definitely where the, the wealth of our work comes from at the moment um, it does change sometimes. I mean, previously we've been very corporate focused, but at the moment it seems very heavy on consumer brands, which is great for me and and our FMCG team. But yeah, lots on at the moment. Yeah, cool. And how do you how do you manage all those all those um, different clients and and kind of sort of different teams and manage your time? Do you do you guys? Because um, Matt and I were talking about this earlier. Actually, we're going to bring it up later, but maybe now's the time. But I'm, I'm obsessed about it at the moment. Oh, yeah. Really? All right. Okay. Well, go, go on, Matt. This is your thing, so you go for it. Well, just just you know, pro- productivity. I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm more and more realizing that uh, we 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 have we we need to keep teams running efficiently. Mm. Um, and I guess I've been I've been weighing up to Slack or not to Slack. Mm, um, yeah. And I guess I guess I'm interested in what what you use to keep all your guys on track. Do you do you have some sort of system that you use? Um. I think it's just uh, me adapting to the situation. So I've started to adopt these little things that I find myself saying. So um, if we do a briefing with the team and I've met with the client, I've taken the brief and it's right, great, let's have a quick brainstorm and, and then I and then I have to leave that project with somebody to start working up creative. I do this thing where I say, are you, are you clear on everything that you need to do? Do you have yeah. everything you need from me? So like it can't come back to haunt me going, well, you didn't tell me that bit. So it's like, is everything crystal clear yes it is great and then it's just a case of constant scheduling and trying to stick to that as well because all the like the younger team they're they're fantastic they're a massive support for me to make sure that I'm running on time as well so they'll go right I've got half an hour let's keep it really concise this is this is the idea and it shouldn't get too much bigger than that and let's make it really tight about what we're trying to do and then it's just time trying to carve out time in your day so there's a lot of time sat in the cab like on a way on the way to another meeting or to another client catching up on emails that's like I've learned how to see everything in an email format on my phone because <laughs> I rarely see it right. on a bigger screen wow. um yeah and then it's about just everybody else being which they are they're amazing um having everything ready like printouts ready it's like there's nothing worse when we're like oh my god we've got to get the printouts quickly quickly we've got to go you know so everybody's like really efficient and it's just we've learned how to be like that and we'll get the luxury of maybe things will you know be more calmer in the studio but yeah it's i think it's more about me having to adapt to the situation those like the, the team are doing exactly what they need to do um, do you have any programs that you use that, you know, something like uh, Trello or Slack or anything like that within the studio? Yeah, no, we don't, actually. Um, it's more about making sure that there's lots of face-to-face time um, over creative, over, like, 
you know good old printouts and, and things like that and and tracking progress I mean you know we have a, like a, a big client service team as well so again you know you've got all these project managers who are amazing who are making sure that everybody else needs to be doing what they need to do so we're very yep. fortunate in that respect just being the size that we are that we have all that kind of support around us but uh, yeah so the long-winded answer but the short answer is no <laughs> yeah so so essentially you were talking about like you know the, the whole paper thing getting around the paper and that sort of stuff obviously mm. you guys are in the fmcg you know mm. area are you mock-ups are you still how, how, how do you mock stuff up do you have a 3d printer or yeah, well, we do. So um, definitely, like, for the innovation part and some of the actual product format design, we've got the 3D printer to do that. But again, you know, it's all a timely thing. So if we're going to ever do anything like that, it's definitely factored into the process of the job. Um, with regards to, you know, paper and, you know, definitely for packaging, I mean, we always try where we can. We're looking at everything at 100% in scale. There's just It's pointless looking at something on screen that's blown up all nice and then you realise it's illegible on a shelf 10 metres mm. away for a consumer so um, it's it serves a purpose to see everything can take the time to do it properly on a printout with all of us gathered around it pinned against a wall mm-hmm yeah, cool. I mean, that's what you got genius for, right? To do all the mock-ups? Yeah, well, the thing is, it's like, we really have to, like, cut that out now as well. Like, we can't have that, because, like, when the going gets tough, like, client service is, like, everybody, everybody in the mock-up room. Yeah. You pick up some pretty good skills. That was my first job out of out of school, actually. I was working for Blue Marlin Brand Design. Oh, really? Okay, um, yeah. In, in packaging. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. We had, there was some big pitch where they were pitching three different concepts for one of, a big company that owns lots of biscuits you could probably guess but it <laughs> yeah. was yeah, they had 18 different uh, packages oh it was all goodness. redesigned around the whole thing right and everything had to be redone for the next day so okay. it was a all-nighter everybody crave director managing director wow. everyone there with cutting yeah, themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. and bleeding i was and gonna everything. say any war wounds because i've got some nice <laughs> no, war wounds i've got from, one yeah, yeah i've got i've got one on my thumb which required a couple of stitches Oh, wow. That one there. Yeah, right. That went through to my nail. <laughs> Did it go into the nail? <laughs> hate it when it does yeah. that. It's yeah, a, it's it's a badge of honour, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally cut myself, yeah. It's, it's so funny because I, I guess I'm really interested in where Landor is. I So I worked at LKS before I became Landor um, mm. for while I was actually doing college. And okay. I was pretty much always in the glue tent um, because that's where they said the juniors. Okay. Or, or in the in the filing room, which was where all the kind of job bags were. Yeah. And, um, oh my goodness. Yeah. But but it was amazing being around there and and seeing the mock-ups. I guess like there was so much kind of always happening. I, I can't remember the big client at the time. It was it was Doritos or CCs or something like that. And there was like okay. lots of stuff happening. I remember at that point and just all the mock-ups and different things. But yeah, I mean, it I, does make a difference. Yeah, it's a huge amount of difference, like especially with like the introduction of. Um, We've got uh, some guys called North and South, which was a small innovation agency that have just now merged with Landor and they've they've moved in-house with us and they have their 3D printer, which we were all obsessed with at first when they came in. And, and it's incredible, like, the things that we can produce from that and the reaction that we get from the clients because, yeah, it's better than the old paper trying to fudge it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What's, what sort of stuff would you 3D print? Um, spirit bottles, things like that, right. which are amazing, especially if you're doing something, like, quite architecturally sculptural and like yeah. you know you've got like beautiful tops and things like that on it you, you, you can sort of talk about it as much as you like and sketch it out but until you actually hold it in your hands and, right. and that's like packaging all over until you put anything in your hand and understand how somebody engages with it and how mm. they look at it and feel it and stuff it's it's incredible to have that facility mm. you know and being able to do that 
Yeah. Are you, are you finding you that um, are clients asking for it? Are any clients asking for it? Um, or is it sort of an, a, a nice to have thing that you use as a kind of feather in your cap to to get everything over the line? Yeah, I mean, they're saying, you know, can you prototype, you know? Yeah. And um, so definitely, like, it's changing from mock up to show us the prototype. Mm. And then we go, yeah, we've got a. 3D printer and this is what and they're like yes that's definitely what we want so um, <laughs> they're not actively asking for it at the moment yeah. but um, you know it's like shiny shiny new new like yeah. it's they love that as well so you look you you might not be able to answer this anyway but you know I was more interested is, have you got an example of yeah go for it something that you got over the line because you could use kind of like this you know newer technology with a client uh, yeah definitely um I pro- yeah, probably won't name name it because it's still a work in progress. But um, definitely some big spirit brands where we've been able to show a three D print of a bottle actually helps in like the believability that it can be achieved. Sometimes, particularly when it's in a two D format, it's a bit like yeah, but I don't know if our factories can do it. This looks great, but um, we need to talk to our suppliers. And I think actually when you get something that's solid in the hand and you go look look this is this is it like and this cap works like this and it all locks up together real nice like this and it's achievable we just need to talk to your suppliers and and, and make that happen and i think that when things don't happen it can often be because people can sometimes impose their own limitations on there and that's that's just a people thing sometimes i mean Mm. you know and broadly speaking obviously there are you know realistic limitations in factories and when you want to do something but on overall some people it's, it's like when a plumber goes oh i don't know about that when they come over <laughs> and see something it's like you can get that a lot sometimes so you have to the 3d printing and then you talking about your concepts is is ultimately what helps get it over the line definitely so yeah big spirit brands have definitely been specific jobs for us where we've been able to do that cool um i just wanted to um, jump in and start talking about um, the Shine program. Yes. If we could. Yeah, of course. You almost jumped out of your seat then. Yeah, because I was <laughs> like, this is the good bit as well. Cool. So um, maybe for those who don't know do not, don't know about it, what's the what's the spiel? Tell, tell everyone okay, about it. So the, the spiel is, um, <laughs> so Shine is uh, our specific land or specific internship program. Yeah. Uh, it's run annually. We'll take a, a Shine intern on for three months, and that's as a result of a bit of a campaign that we'll put out kind of promoting it with the different design institutions and we'll get everybody in and we'll do like workshops with them and things like that and we'll kind of look at our team and see okay kind of what kind of person are we looking for do we want somebody with a digital skill set somebody with packaging interests and uh yeah and then we'll we'll sort of look for that person in the workshop and who's creatively like got talent obviously um and it's it's kind of since i've been there like i've tried to give it a really good push um over the past couple of years and it's been amazing just because i've i've had the luxury looking me to meet some just really amazing students and amazing mm. like lecturers and teachers um and yeah their support and passion for the students is incredible so i kind of just get to feed off that a little bit and and bring them into Landor, hopefully, because that's that's the end game. Mm. So are you finding it really hard to find students for the program? There are definitely plenty of students that apply. Mm-hmm. I think it, it is, we do find it quite hard to find the students that we want. 
I think that it can be a combination of reasons. Sometimes we all have our own agenda of the type of person that we want to bring in. So it's definitely, you know, getting internal alignment on the kind of student that we're looking for or the graduate. And it's just much around, you know, it could be cultural fit as well as this kind of skill set and kind of the prospects that we see them having within the creative team. So it's a lengthy process to find the right person, but we never really struggle with the amount of, we're fortunate we don't struggle with the amount of people that want to come and work at Landor, which is great, because I guess, you know, Landor's got a reputation that precedes itself and that name seems to um, bring people into yep. us, which is wonderful. But um, yeah, it's it takes us a, a long time to kind of decide on, on the people that we want to bring in. But that that's kind of with like, designers as well right because we have like freelancers that come in and then they'll convert to full-time as well yeah because mm. I, I know i guess what i'm angling for because i know yeah, sure. <laughs> you've you've <laughs> talked to me before about how um, this this idea that uh packaging seems to be dropping out of quite a quite a few curriculums mm, mm. And, and i know from personal experience that that that's exactly true and you know from from where i've been before it's, it's normally because digital is sexy and we've got to get more more of that sort of stuff in and and in order to get something into a curriculum you need to pull something out and packaging seems to get a short straw yeah yeah often yeah and that's a really good point so yeah to go back to the first question yeah definitely we get lots of students that kind of want to come and work with us which is great but students that are interested in packaging is, is definitely something different and the problem that I can st- and it's different to how I found it in the UK but the problem that I see that's happening now is it's starting to trickle down in like say a couple of years after people have graduated so there's this there's this empty pool of like graduates and juniors that should be there loads of people kind of wanting to hopefully work in in packaging or consumer brands because i think that packaging can sometimes be intimidating and you think it might be a really technical um kind of fussy discipline and it's really not it's more about consumer brands and kind of having empathy and um, understanding the psychology of purchase and, and stuff like that um so that's that's empty and then but we have like a, a pool of like design directors senior designers creative directors that have worked in the industry a long time so kind of what i keep saying is is oh my gosh we're going to get to this point where there's nobody coming through from from graduates right who are going to who are going to ultimately like replace us and it's such a shame because it, it is an industry that is i think still thriving i mean yes digital is sexy and we're very mindful of having that capability at landor as well but um you know obviously consumer branding was in our dna to begin with that's how landor started and i think it's a thriving industry in australia still and i'm concerned that we're not replacing um talent or people that leave australia to go and work abroad and we so we end up recruiting from abroad or headhunting from other agencies and we're not growing talent here is this because this seems to be a common common kind of problem across quite a few different um, industries at the moment I mean obviously the kind of UX digital yeah. is doing a lot of kind of like buying in at the moment so yeah, buying yeah. in from the states and from the UK speaking to a whole bunch of people in animation and, and they're doing exactly the same thing there was there's one group I was talking to who has a two million dollar budget for like bringing people over wow, um, wow, yeah. so, so is that is that just a problem that Australia is having or do you think it's more of a worldwide problem with packaging that yeah i think the perception of packaging is interesting particularly over here so in the uk i mean i was 
lucky enough to work at some really amazing agencies that were focused on packaging um, and the last agency that I was at which was called JKR I mean they had a huge industry internship program that just brought heaps of people in they had close alignments with DNAD and um, the perception of packaging was something that graduates wanted to get into if they you know if they were interested in it but over here I don't know I mean I think sometimes it can be perceived as the poor cousin to corporate branding. Oh, really? And, what, um, so, what? Yeah, sometimes. Why, why, why do you say that? I think that from when that's my perception when I talk to graduates that they are very keen on uh, working on like you know big scale branding projects that are right. more corporate focused, and then when you try and talk to them about packaging, it's maybe not as interesting for them. And I was, I'm like, that's fascinating. I don't know why they they think that because we can definitely we've done some sort of really beautiful packaging projects and i and i don't know if it's just because you know you think fmcg and you're populating the world with things that shout out and you on shelf and uh, that's not very sexy maybe mm. but it, it can be it can be so much more than that and i think it like consumer branding and kind of working in that discipline can em- employ so many more so much more emotion from you you know you have to like just create desire around something can understand what somebody likes and loves and why they don't and all those kind of subtleties is um and you try and then look that look for that kind of quality in future designers who are really empathetic and um really listen to feedback and research and understand um how to then translate that into a design so so how much how much do you think about where the packaging is going to go whether it's going to be in a in a Coles or a Woolworths or in, in more of a sort of retail store, how, how much does that affect? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, like, there's there's other bigger issues, like, definitely with um, Coles and Woolworths. Um, obviously, we've got this rise of private label over here, mm-hmm. which is quite a, quite aggressive. And, um, our you know, yeah, definitely our clients are, like, very mindful of how that's going to impact on their business. And then if I compare that into the UK, where obviously private label was definitely a, a huge deal. And from a design point of view, you know, private label upped its game. But that made everybody else up its game as well. And brands had to, you know, start uh-huh. looking after themselves so much more. Yeah. But that was, like, a, a healthy competition, but over here, because you've got the big two, like Coles and Woolworths, it's definitely quite aggressive. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big challenge for FMCG and consumer branding clients, how they can, you know, still stand next to private label when those guys can decide whether you're on shelf or not. And private label, is that the, 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 their personal brand? Yes. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, so, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, okay, definitely. Cool. Um, so and you you know you get the imitation private labels and things like right. that so like how do you create a defense around a brand that can't be copied you know you know mm. you see all these rip-off packages and things like that i guess i was interested in that kind of i guess coles and woolworths always did the basic brand yes and now they're they're also bringing in a higher brand like the select select brands and and, the, and then sometimes even a higher brand than that Yes. I guess that really causes trouble for your clients in the sense that they've suddenly got three competitors as opposed to one competitor. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting because, you know, they obviously do their own consumer research. They have great insight into what people want. And it's, you know, give the people what they want. So they give them a spectrum of, um, you know, like you say, from premium home brand to, you know, very basic rudimental commodity products um, under a very functional kind of home style brand. Um, yeah, it's yeah. You, you ha- we have to make sure that we're sort of um, ahead of the game, and that they don't get ahead of us. <laughs> you know, so that that that's definitely a challenge and a, a challenge for the clients. 
as, as you know, my personal belief is that, um, you know, ultimately a well, say, for example, a well-loved Australian iconic brand cannot be replaced by a home label brand, but they will have a good go. And then you get into unfair things like, you know, price point fights and stuff like that. They must have a huge advantage in terms of data, right? Right. In, in the behavior of their customers with things like loyalty cards and and you know tracking exactly what people are buying and seasonal changes and things like that right absolutely yeah yeah, a yeah huge advantage yeah definitely this yeah. so they know say if there's a, a trend in a certain type of food type you know they can get right. that in and like, i don't know if this is true but i hear that um one of the big supermarkets they when somebody's trying to introduce a new product to them, they will initially consider it under their home label first. So you might even not get it under a brand. Oh, right. And if they think, yeah, this is a great product, but we'll introduce it under our name and our label. Yeah. And then that brand never gets to live and, you know, right. they get it cheaper. Oh, wow. and yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's harder. So I think definitely it's it's not it's not going to stop anytime soon. Over yeah. the next three years, I think it's going to become more and more home label. But, um, yeah, it's something that we have to be really careful about. And I think, I think eventually there's going to be like this revolt i just imagine consumers are going to get <laughs> sick of it like i can see it i can see it coming and i think that um it, it stops it's no no longer healthy competition it's just a little bit unfair yeah. it's, it's funny because i don't think the consumers see it very much i think it's all hidden behind be behind what's sort of happening in the store can i yeah. uh, can i just jump in this is really timely and this was completely not me doing good research or anything but i was listening to a podcast of hack which i think was on thursday and they spoke about exactly this really yeah oh wow yeah. i have to send the episode yeah, to you yeah, or something definitely. and they were and they were interviewing people going into the big the big ones and asking them exactly this question really They're wow. saying like how do you how do you feel about the duopoly kind of situation and yeah and they kind of did a bit of a research piece on you know, Aldi having 30, uh, 350 stores versus, yeah. you know, the other two having a thousand plus. And is there, go and one of the questions they kind of asked was, is there a tipping point for this from a consumer perspective? Yeah, I think, I think it, it has to be, I mean, you know, on, on face value, uh, I think like with the big two and the price, you know, there's obviously this price war at the moment and Aldi mm. coming in and, you know, people are, are defaulting to Aldi and things like that. But, uh, I think ultimately they're taking away choice and mm. I think if you feel like you've had something taken away from you like you don't have the option to choose between which brand that you want and mm. you know mm. it's hard anyway but you just get given a very limited option and that limited option belongs to one person then you kind of go no I don't want to do that like give me I want to go somewhere else now and and I guess that you know that's the challenge is where else is there to go because I guess in the UK you know it it all organically grew from a high street so you'd have like a butcher or a baker and mm. you know and, and then the supermarkets came along and then there was lots of supermarkets so everybody kind of had healthy competition but and then you hear all these horrible stories like they're not playing at their suppliers on time and you know all the poor farmers and you hear about what's happening with those guys and yeah i can't, I can't imagine that it's going to be completely ignored forever it must chip away at your Mm. your loyalty to these guys right yeah and i'd love to know like what's what's your role to try and get a brand to stand out like how much control can you have in shaping the the direction a product can go sure i mean often the product is existing in existence yeah. so they'll say we've got this product and you know we want to put it under this brand we want to create a completely new brand mm. um so the first and foremost is is the products because you know you've got a challenge on your hands if the product's crap 
and mm. if it's you know we've seen funny stories like I heard funny stories from my colleagues like where the product's been no good and you, you've got to try and ultimately sell that yeah, yeah. and that's a tough call right but mm. you know brands can't really do that anymore now particularly with you know right. the introduction of home brand and they are good products often as well so you look at that product and what's the point of difference like why yeah. would it be better are you just introducing something for the sake of it you know but often it, it has an agenda where it's going to give a consumer something better it's like great so that that's something right mm. that we all hang on to like if and that's what you're get, looking for when they come right, in, right? Yeah, yeah i just need that nugget, nugget to go okay yeah. what's the point of difference um and then you kind of look at the brands that it's going to go under or or whether it's a completely new brand and you know definitely i like coming to this country and and not having grown up here and seeing all like there's some amazing heritage iconic brands and you know that that's a wealth of nostalgia and thing that you can play into it's part of australian life and families and i had to like school up pretty quick coming from the uk learning about what brands mean to certain right. people and families and age groups and stuff like that because mm. it, it shapes everything it shapes your decisions and what you what you decide to choose and buy and eat and things like that you mm. know is where you come from it's like the whole psychology behind it. Right, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, and, you know, you get loads of different roles. Like, I, I, I met this guy and his title was, like, a semiotic technologist. And Oh, wow. And that was, like, he was, like, if you use green, it means that there's mold on the food. And, like, really weird <laughs> stuff like that. But, like, super helpful. And, um, you know, you have to listen to all that kind of stuff. Stuff that I don't think a consumer would even go, no, I don't really think that. But... Mm. He's, he's, his agenda is well no subtly you do you might not think that but subconsciously right. you're making all these choices and you're not even really aware why mm. it's just the cultural context um, can I just shift the um, I just want to ask about another big brand and something that I've been quite mm. interested in obviously Apple has made its big play into the streaming music area mm-hmm. and yeah. I was just I was interested in, you, in both of your sort of take on you know what, what, what do you, are you going to I don't know what are you, do you stream music now I do, yeah. Yeah, I use Spotify, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I I think I always, like, look at this kind of stuff just to check it out because it's new. But I was saying to Flynn earlier, then there's this challenge of, like, integrating it into your life from a habitual point of view because I'm so used to, like, Spotify and things like that anyway that I imagine I'll check it out and then I'll probably go back to Spotify for a while. It's it's, kind of like any new product needs to be not just better but, like, really better in order to make you you change. What about you, Flynn? Are you going to change? No, I won't just because I hate the user interface of iTunes. Yeah, yeah, true. It's, it's a dog's right. breakfast and it has and it has been for so long. Yeah, that's true. And I have always have a bit of a always have a I'm I'm always fine with redesigning like Facebook kind of redesigns their stuff willy-nilly and that's fine. I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but iTunes was really frustrating because I had invested in iTunes. Yeah. So I actually paid quite a lot of money to have my songs and everything in there. Wow. And a lot of the user interfaces changed so much and so dramatically overnight with no warning that it was bordering on unusable it's so funny you say that that happened to me last night where i was trying to look at just my download history right we thought that there was some fraudulent activity in our credit card my husband oh right and i was like it's itunes somebody's got our details get onto (laughs) itunes and check and 
it was like 20 minutes of where's the download history this is so frustrating we can't find our, our purchase history yeah to the point where it was like let's just quit the whole thing and then when we found it and it was me anyway so it was like <laughs> <laughs> it was i was in trouble but um yeah it definitely was really frustrating so i hear you you reminded me of um my my biggest point of fact because if you have to google how to use a piece of software the software has failed yes. yeah right that's, that's a good true, measuring right? stick yeah it's terrible so um you know if, if you're not, not talking about after effects or something like that talk Talking uh-huh. about simple piece of software that's for the general masses. Transferring purchases from an iPad or an iPhone or something to update it is hidden, like really badly. But everybody has to do it. Yeah. And you and you should do it. Yeah. But every single damn time, I always <laughs> see it and I go, oh, where is this thing? And I try to find it. I refuse to Google it. And eventually I give up. Yeah. Frustrated as hell. And then I Google it and I go, oh, yeah, it's right over there. And that sort of little thing that hasn't changed in two and a half years means that I will stick with Spotify that's beautifully designed, very yeah. simple, um, and and not jump jump ship. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? You make that call quite quickly as well. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. it's too hard. Yeah, <laughs> Matt asked, Matt asked yeah. me. I hadn't even thought about it. I, yeah. I had to put it into words, and that was it. What about you, Matt? What do you think? I know it's, it's an interesting one because I haven't gone onto the pro Spotify, and I think I've been sort of holding off for maybe something that might come come after that or, or, or be better and so I'm, I'm thinking about it but the whole streaming music thing is a bit of a weird thing for me anyway because I've, I've found that it's really changed my listening habits mm, mm. I, I, I tend to um, preview listen a lot or rather than actually listen to a song yeah right, right. it's so funny you say that right because I was listening um, to somebody else talk about this on, on, a, on a different podcast and um, they were saying that you know you rarely sit down and listen to a body of music like a body of work mm, like you would never right. sit like I used to I remember sitting down and like consuming a whole album of music yep. you know from top to bottom in tracks like devouring the artwork and, and the covers and things like that and then now yeah like I'm I'm so like indecisive like no flip the song I want something different you know like on my way to work I'll do that and it's terrible and I never just sit and consume it and all the love and, and time that's gone into stuff to craft that together is is kind of wasted sometimes mm. on, on me <laughs> can't remember what the band is but Matt you might remember but there was there was someone who originally when downloads started coming in they were they were staunchly against it because they're talking about they've agonized over which song plays well into the next one and they've changed the endings and the beginnings of songs so that the listening experience to the whole album Mm. is um curated right yeah it's not this song by itself it's like it was never intended to be by itself this is like a symphony Mm. yes um and you're butchering it by putting it you know between mm, bop and jackson (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, so so true and from a design point of view you know god i get terribly frustrated if somebody's like "Mm, nah and it's like no 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 wait let me talk you through it like who's gonna do this (laughs) please don't dismiss it just yet so yeah (laughs) yeah so so it's an interesting one i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about because and I don't know how you guys, because I know that your background is, and obviously you, Matt, being an educator as well, is you spend a lot of time with young graduates. And um, I guess as I've come into the design director role, I think my definition of success has started to change. And that's definitely through spending time with younger graduates and also kind of seeing what the future looks like as well. Mm. So... Um, it's funny because I think it's is it uh, Laurie that works as yes. a as a 
mentor at Tractor? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He was really yep. generous and sent me a, a really lovely message um, because I'd done a talk with Chris McLean at Apple a while ago mm. and um, he sent this really nice message saying thanks. The students were really grateful for some of the things that you said and that was super lovely. And I guess that it can be like seen as giving back but I get, it was it's become such a huge part of this role for me in a really good way like I kind of needed to have something else apart from the job and the design even though don't get me wrong I love my job and I love design but um it had to there had to be something more at the end of it as well and I think Nathan kind of touched on this a little bit as well from distillery right um about you know you want to feel like you're giving something that's gonna because packaging is transient and ultimately it will go away mm. <laughs> and you kind of want to leave something behind and and that's really started to kind of mold my definition of success a little bit because so you're, per, you're personal, personal and kind of slash professional kind of success yeah, yeah. right because I think mm. that you know your intermediate levels of success is like I graduate I want to get in a, in a great studio and work with some great people and that's amazing and then you do that and you're like I want to get on the big projects and, mm. and, and do that and, and then it changes and as soon as your ambition pushes you further and then there's this other thing like and I, I see that you guys have kind of referenced it about you know non-profit and um, working with maybe like entrepreneurs who don't have big budgets mm. and you can't you really want to help those guys and it's kind of always reconciling that because obviously we're lucky with Landor in the sense that we have big budget clients, but we always try and make way for entrepreneurs that need help or um, students that want to come in and spend some time with us and we'll, we'll sort of kind of give that up. And I get so much out of it personally as opposed to like, oh, I'm giving back. You know, it's like, no, that's kind of, they help me a great deal and they help the design team a great deal. So I think that that's something that's definitely, um, we kind of, don't talk about enough I think I think it's always like how do we help the younger designers and it's like yeah and think about how they help us as well because they come in and they call us out sometimes and we yeah. can get very preoccupied with some of the bullshit <laughs> I don't know if that's where, but like some of the bullshit that we can mm. talk about sometimes and uh, young graduates are really good at coming through and cutting through all that as well and going yeah but what about that and it's like oh god he's so right it's like having yeah. a toddler isn't it it's like, but why yeah. oh, why <laughs> yes yeah yeah <laughs> definitely because well, the sky is blue yeah but why yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's this one we've got this one guy in called Ethan and he's our shine intern at the moment and he's brilliant and but like questions a lot as well and he's like mm. what are you what are you working on okay why is that okay and it's and it's like good because it makes me answer as well and it's like yeah why why am i doing it this mm. way yeah no you're right i need to think of another way um so that was really long what i said i kind of tried to make several points <laughs> no, in the longest great. sentence in mm. the world that's <laughs> no, great and I, and I i do find it in 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 some of the stuff that i do as well people often say they say actually going through this whole process really made me rethink why i do stuff yes and maybe rethink how i you know Actually, maybe maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah. Know? Or they or they put a perfect version of what they should do, and they realise they left out a couple of things that they probably shouldn't do. Yes. Because they shouldn't be teaching people to do this wrong thing. And yeah. Then they think, Actually, why am I doing the wrong thing in the first place? So definitely yeah. makes you kind of reflect on how you deliver everything, the words that you say. Sometimes you say things, and or you'll give feedback. You can see their reaction in their face, and you're like, God, you know. It's such a power that you can have sometimes, and you've got to be careful how you just throw comments around as well. Yeah. And you know, I've de you know, you have your war stories of when you've worked with hard creative directors, and I've definitely come through that, and always gave myself that little reminder to be like, you know, don't be an arsehole. <laughs> like. Yeah. Because there is those little those little comments that someone has said. You probably I think everybody has some, but someone's kind of 
a backhand comment or just like a little subtle thing somewhere that you probably still remember right. where you were, what they said and how crushing it was. Yeah, definitely. And look, you know, there's that whole like, oh, it makes you stronger. You need to get a thick skin and great. You do because clients ultimately will cut you down eventually as well as yeah. one day. But yeah, you don't need to be an asshole with it. So. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Okay. I think that brings us to the end. My last word is going to be arsehole. That's perfect. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) 